Okay, good morning everyone. So let us continue Emir Tzashem in our journey through Parakshira. So we find ourselves this week, we'll spend Emir Tzashem today and Wednesday focusing a little bit on Laila, on the night. So let's take a look again. Remember, as we've spoken about before in Parakshira, the entire essence of Parakshira is the ability to go ahead and really teach us incredible lessons, profound lessons through the natural world, recognizing that just by observing the natural world, one has the ability to learn a number of different things. To learn about the Ribbon Shalom, to learn about the greatness of the Ribbon Shalom, but also as we've seen, to learn a little bit about the greatness of ourselves as well. So with that, let's begin. So Laila Omer, the night says, so the truth is, in Parak Shira, interestingly enough, Yom comes before Laila. Day comes before night. Which again, you know, is an, is an interesting is an interesting idea because, of course, in my Seberatius, right in the story of creation, so Lila comes before day. But interestingly enough, well, again, I'm doing Lila first. You'll see why because the will go from Lila into Yom, but you see why thematically it makes a little bit more sense for our for our purposes to do Lila first. So, what does Lila say? So Lila. Quotes the Pasuk, so to speak, from Tehillim, Parak Tzadik Beis, Pasuk Gimel, Lahagid Baboker Chastecha, to literally translate it, to speak of his kindness. I apologize, that should be a, a capital H. It's referring to the Ribbon Shalom, to speak of his kindness in the morning, Ve'amunascha Balelos, and his faithfulness by night. So before we even get into this Pasuk, this is a well known, familiar Pasuk. Again, you'll notice from Tehillim Tzadik Beis, we say it again as part of Kabbalah Shabbos, Mizmor Shir Liyoma Shabbos. We also go ahead and and say it as part of davening on Shabbos morning as well. So let's focus for a few moments about this Pasuk. If I were to ask you, what does this Pasuk represent to you? Clearly the Pasuk is speaking about two different things. What's the contrast that David HaMelech is trying to create? What's the contrast? What would you say? How would you understand? Let's start first. What does that mean? To praise Hashem. But what does that have to do with the morning? Good. So on a most basic level, it appears that David HaMelech is creating the classic night-day contrast, which is the contrast between good and difficulty, or Baruch Hashem, wonderful times and challenging times. So la hagid baboker chasdecha, boker, and remember again, boker is not just, boker is not just day, right? Boker is morning. What happens in the morning? Sun comes up, right? Not a true question, right? Just the beginning of light. When you see that first ray of light, that first ray of light, by definition, fills one with incredible optimism and hope. So the Hagid Baboker Chasdecha, the Boker represents the Midas HaChasad, represents, again, divine attribute of kindness. Ve'emunascha Balelos. Laila, conversely, sometimes is associated with Din, with strict justice. So we'll discuss exactly what emuna has to do with Laila, but of course our focus for Laila is going to be the second part, the notion of emuna, of belief in the Rebano Shal Olam, ultimately again, kind of taking root at night. So let, let's, let's back up here for just a moment. Let's speak for a moment about emuna. What is emuna? I know that's a very open-ended question, but what, what, what does the word, what, what does emuna mean? Don't tell me belief, that I know. But what does emuna mean? Oh, you see, but emuna and the ribono shal olam. What does that mean to have emuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu? 
Can you use the word believing? So? Yes, you can use it. Yes, you can use it as part of a definition. Beautiful. On the most basic level, believing that there is a creator as opposed to what? Correct. So as opposed to Mikra, as opposed to Mikra, right? This was this is the fundamental Malik and Cloud You could look at the universe and you can see two things. You could look at the universe and you can say, Wow, it is incredible how just a series of events happened to coincide. And a series of coincidences occurred, which created these results, or the belief in a bore, emuna, means that there is a ribono shel olam who runs the world. Good. What else does emuna mean? Mamish. Yes. Good. The idea of, ev- once I believe, so remember again, this is a progression, and, and you're, you're, you're stating in the perfect progression. Step number one is a belief in the ribono shel olam who runs the world. Step number two is a belief that everything that that creator does somehow is for my good. Now, remember again, that's not to be confused or it's not to be understood as everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is pleasant or everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does feels good. Because remember, again, we know very well that that's often not the case. There are plenty of things that happen in life that are very difficult, that are very challenging, that are incredibly overwhelming. But somehow the belief in the Ribbono Shal Olam, the belief in the Ribbono Shal Olam says that everything that happens somehow is for the good. Now remember again, what does it mean when we say for the good? For, for the good of who? So for the good of us? Okay, what else could it mean? Remember, one of the most important things for us to each to remember is we are cogs in the wheel. We are each part of something greater. And sometimes what that means is our lives serve some type of greater purpose. I'm not here just for me. Somehow my life and what I do with it has some type of greater impact as well. When we say that everything that Kodesh Baruch Hu does is for the good, so that good could sometimes mean a personal good, and that good could also mean a more universal or national good. That the Rebbe runs an entire world, and that sometimes the suffering of some, the trials and tribulations of some, are there to create some type of net benefit. There's, there could be a benefit to me, there could be a benefit to the cloud, there could be a benefit to the world. It's difficult. This is perhaps one of the most challenging aspects of Emunah. I believe that me'ito lo hara, everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is Latova. Do you always see the Tova in HaKadosh, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does? No. Right? Very often a person could go through an entire lifetime and they never see. They, I believe it. I, I believe that it's for good. But it's possible that I'll never actually see or understand that good. By the way, that, that's part of the beauty of belief. The beauty of belief is you could believe in something even if you can't intellectually understand or process it. So I believe that everything that happens to me somehow is for the good, but I also accept the fact that sometimes in life I will never see or I'll never understand what good is actually coming out of the good? What else? What else does Amuna mean? So we've got a Chash Baruch who runs the world. Everything ultimately, again, is Litova in some way, shape, or form. What else? I have a question. Yes. Isn't everything always for like, the good of a person? Like, 
Absolutely, absolutely. Meaning everything that happens to me is always for the benefit of my neshama. And in some way, this, when, when it's good for me, or even when I would say something happens to me for the benefit of the cloud, the benefit of the world, that's good for me also. Because I am the cle- I'm the utensil through which something positive is occurring for great, we'll call it greater society, or greater cloud Israel. But sometimes, I don't know what that good is. Sometimes I don't feel that good. And sometimes I'll never know that until after 120 when Kedush Baruch Hu explains it to me. But yes, because if I'm the enabler for some type of national or we'll call it, I don't want to use the word, I'll use it, cosmic good, then at the end of the day, that is good for me as well. Absolutely. Good. What else does Amuna mean? What else? Any other thoughts? Amuna also means... Emunah also means the phrase. Rabbi Nachman has a beautiful phrase. The phrase is, Kacha Hashem Rotza. That whatever happens in this world is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. That there is no such thing as something that happens outside of the will of the Ribbono Shalom. Kacha Hashem Rotsa. So Rabbi Nachman writes about this extensively. I don't know, have you, any, have you ever, ever learned uh, the Sefer Gan Ha'amuna, Garden of Amuna? Shama Roshi quotes this concept a lot. So again, the Hebrew version is much better than the English version, but he uses this phrase, coming from Rabbi Nachman, over and over, Kacha Hashem Rotsa, Kacha Hashem Rotsa. This is what Hashem wants. So what does that mean, Kacha Hashem Rotsa? So on the most basic level, there is nothing that happens to me in this world that the Ribbono Shal Olam does not want to happen to me. Now, there's an incredible profundity to this concept because what does it apply to? Everything, which means something really amazing. Let's say someone hurts you. Let's say someone hurts you, right? Someone hurts you. So how do you hashkafically view that event? Right? It's Ramon Shem. Now, we have to be very careful with this. Does that absolve the individual of responsibility? No. So remember again, each and every one of us has personal responsibility for what we did. But this is an incredible yisod because sometimes when someone hurts me, someone hurts me, so very often the reaction is, and understandably so, one of anger, one of resentment, depending on how badly the person hurt me, which of course is understandable. But on a hashkafic level, Rabbi Nachman says the way to process it is, the Ribbono Shal Olam wanted this event to occur to me. He wanted me to have this experience. Why? Okay, that, that's my tachlis to understand why I was supposed to undergo this particular event. But there is no such thing as something that happens to me outside of the Ratzon Habore. Kacha Hashem Rotze. This is what the... So again, if you hurt me, you bear personal responsibility for what you did. Right? You bear personal responsibility. But at the end of the day, the way I process it, the way I process it is, the Ribbono Shal Olam wanted this to happen to me, and now I have to figure out why. By the way, when you view the world through this lens, what does it do? What does it do? I'm sorry? So first of all, it brings Simcha. Why does it bring Simcha? Right, so it's an incredible thing. Now again, I don't know. I know some people who could do this. I myself have not been able to master this idea. But can you imagine when someone hurts you or someone upsets you, that instead of directing your emotional energy towards that person, being angry, upset, resentful, I say, you know what? That person is going to have to do their tshuva, right? They're going to have to fix their flawed Beit Adon 
But at the end of the day, Kacha Hashem wrote that. It's not really Ruvain who hurt me. It's not Ploni who hurt me. It's the Ribbono Shel Olam who wanted me to undergo these circumstances. So it totally reframes everything that happens to you in life. Because it's interesting. You know, we have so many, well, a couple of mitzvos that point to this idea, right? That we're not allowed to walk around with animosity, right? Where do we see we're not allowed to walk around with animosity? Right? So first of all, Losik and Losita, but more importantly, Losisna Esachicha Bilbalecha. You are not allowed, you're not allowed to help, you can't hate people. What do you think, I can't hate someone? If somebody hurt me, and they're totally unrepentant, they, to- they, they don't care, they don't care, they don't acknowledge, I know they know, they know they know, but they don't acknowledge, I'm not allowed to harbor animosity, how are you supposed to do that? How are you actually supposed to kind of overwhel- overcome the desire, or, or the almost like innate reflex, to harbor animosity against someone who has hurt you? So again, Rabbi Nachman, well, there's two answers. The first answer is, how do you overcome the desire to harbor animosity towards someone who has hurt you? So first of all, again, number one, Kach Hashem If you ashkafically reframe it and you say, okay, I'm not absolving Plony of what he did to me, but at the end of the day, the emotional, Plony could not have done this without HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the emotional obviously wanted me to undergo these circumstances. Plony was the Kli, he was the vehicle. He's still responsible for his actions. I have to reframe it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted me to have these circumstances. Good. How else do you overcome it? And what do you mean? Right, so beautiful. This is also incredibly important. You showed that when people act badly, that's a pigam in them, right? Normal, healthy, adjusted, happy people don't need to hurt other people because they're happy with themselves. When people put down others or people harm others, it's usually reflective of a very poor self-esteem and self-worth. So excellent, good. But even that's a myla, good. How else, how else do you deal with harboring animosity? Oh, you know, Rabbi Tversky, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, has a great line. And he said that, he's talking about bearing grudges. He says, bearing a grudge is allowing someone to live in your head rent-free. It's his line. It, he says, like, you know, it's one thing if you could collect rent, right? It's one thing if you could get something by harboring animosity or a grudge. But literally, when you walk around with a grudge, you walk around with anger, animosity towards someone, they're occupying emotional real estate. They're tying up emotional real estate, and I get nothing for it. So at the end of the day, when the Torah says, even if the other person doesn't deserve my forgiveness... When I forgive and I find a way to let go, not forget. Does the Torah ever tell us to forget? No. Why doesn't the Torah tell us to forget? Number one, because you can't. Number one, because most of us can't forget. I, if you, you know, I could forgive, but if you ask me who has hurt me throughout my life, I could pretty quickly recall that list. I could work on forgiving, but forgetting is not. Also, remember again, why else don't you want to forget? It's very important you sow why you don't want to forget when you've been hurt by people. Because it sensitizes you. If you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of someone's negative treatment, if you know how it feels to be hurt, if you know how it feels to be mistreated, that informs and shapes the way you interact with other people. You don't want to forget that because that will shape you. So therefore, again, so kind of to circle back a little bit. So this is emuna. 
So emuna means, and by the way, emuna is multi is a multifaceted concept. I, I often feel I don't know about all of you, but I, I always find it interesting that you know we learn an incredible amount of Torah growing up, right? And we learn an incredible amount of halacha and Tanakh, Gemara, halacha, all different things. But it's interesting that I think when it comes to inyane emuna, we very often have a very unsophisticated understanding of what it means to really possess emuna. I think emuna is kind of like davening. Everyone assumes you just learn how to daven. But as we get older, we begin to realize, you know, I actually don't really know how to daven. I know how to say the words, I know how to say the words, but I don't necessarily know how to connect with this experience. Emuna is one of those things as well. I know that I have emuna. I know I have emuna. But what does it mean if I were to articulate the hashkafa of emuna? What is it? So we have three prongs, although we're going to build on it. Prong number one, the devotional is a prime creator. Right? The world is not by accident. The world is not happenstance. The world is not mikra. There is a creator. Number two, Everything that Ibano Shal Olam does is quote unquote Litova. How that Litova manifests itself and how it's perceived and how it's understood is an incredibly difficult and complicated parsha, which we'll discuss a little bit. And number three, Emuna means Kacha Shem Nothing happens to me in life unless HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to happen. Now, let me ask you this. Is there an exception to that third prong that nothing happens to me unless HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it? Is there an exception to that rule? I'm sorry? If, okay, so this is an interesting idea. Sometimes, if, what, what if I do, I do something to myself. No one else did it to me. So is that the Ratzon Abore? So what would you say? Oh, so he gave me a choice. He gave me a choice. In other words, I have Bechira. I have Bechira. On the flip side, remember again, think about this. Anything you do, you can only do because of the co-hosts you have. The co-hosts you have are given to you by the Ribbon Shal Olam. So, so that's interesting. Number one, about what about things I do myself? Good. Oh, we're actually going to discuss that. When else could there be an exception to this? Oh, so there's the concept of Hester Panim, which is a theologically fascinating concept of w- what it means is the Ribbon Shalom literally removing himself or shielding his face. So remember again, we, we, the Torah speaks about this in the Tochecha, right? The, the, the kind of the zenith of the Tochecha, the most profound and troubling part of the Tochecha is Va'anochi hastir astir es panai. who says as part of the Tochecha, I will hide my face from you. The notion of Hester Panim, the devotion removing himself from the world. So what does that mean? Right? So again, I'm just, I'm just pointing, this is not our topic for today, although you will find, interestingly enough, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, I'll call it Hashkafa, that surrounds the Holocaust, is very often rooted in this concept of Hester Panim, of when the Ribbon Shal Olam somehow removes his hashkacha from the world, there are forces of evil that are kept in check when the Ribbon Shal Olam is present. But if the Ribbon Shal for some reason chooses to remove that hashkacha, there's evil that is allowed to flow and allowed to impact on, 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 on unreserved, in an unreserved fashion. So again, I'm just pointing, this is not our topic, I'm just pointing it out to you that it's interesting to see that this concept of the Ribbon Shal Olam, but again, amazingly enough, the Ribbon Shal makes the choice. 
right? Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes the choice for Hester upon him. But there is perhaps this exception, this Chas Shalom, this terrible time when the Moshe removes his Hashgacha and that allows, again, many unchecked forces to then operate operate a bit more freely. But again, let's focus on the positive aspects of Amuna. So if we take a look at number two, as I mentioned before, so now we have Laila telling us that is. What does Laila say? Laila contrasts itself with Yom. That as by Yom Lahagid Baboker Chasdecha, the Amunascha Balelos. Number two, coming from Mizmar Shliyom Hashabos. Take a look at number three, Rashi. So what we're going to try to analyze a little bit is why exactly this? First, we're going to analyze why this particular phrase is part of this capital. Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbos, right? You've seen that capital before. And what's the most striking part of that capital? Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbos? What does it make no reference to? Shabbos. Shabbos. Right? It's very interesting. Remember again, if you're davening Shabbos night, you're davening Kabbalah Shabbos, generally, okay, so a woman will be Makabal Shabbos with Hadlakas Neros, but men are often Makabal Shabbos with this capital of Tilim, right after Lechadodi. Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbos is generally when a man in Shul is Mikabal Shabbos upon himself. It's fascinating that David HaMelech gives this introduction to this capital. You would think that the topic of the capital would be all about Shabbos. Yet amazingly enough, there's no reference to Shabbos in the capital outside of that opening phrase, which leads Rashi to say something amazing. Rashi says in number three, Mizmor Shir Shalavim. So first of all, again, in general, you know, remember, who wrote, who wrote Tehillim? David HaMelech. Why did he write it? Why did he write Tehillim? I'm sorry? For Klai Zobah. For specifically what? For what? David HaMelech wanted more than anything to do what? Build the base HaMikdash. And yet the Ribbon Shalom told him, you are not building the base HaMikdash, either because the base HaMikdash had to be built by an Ish Shalom, a man of peace, not by a man of war. And David HaMelech spent his life fighting battles, or maybe perhaps it's tied in a little bit to the whole episode of Bathsheba. Whatever it is, David HaMelech was not going to build the base HaMikdash. So amazingly enough, David HaMelech, when after being told he can't build the base HaMikdash, did everything else in his power that he could do besides build this. So remember, what does David HaMelech do? Number one, he purchases the real estate. Remember again, who did he purchase the real estate from? Aravna Hayevusi. Remember, it was a threshing floor. Harabais was a threshing floor. He purchases it from Aravna Hayevusi. And number two, what else does he do? He writes all of the music for the Levitic choir. That is Sefer Tehillim. Sefer Tehillim is the music for the Levitic choir. That's why, again, you'll find some straight... Lam Natsach. What does Lam Natsach mean? How do you translate that? To the conductor. The conductor of what? Of what? It's to the conductor of the Levitic choir, right? The Levim had a choir. David HaMelech wrote the music to Sefer Tehillim, which, by the way, just as an aside is such an incredible lesson. Because sometimes in life, there's something you really want to do, and then you're told you can't do it. So, so often in life, what happens then is that people fall into a pit of despair. They just give up. They just give up. I, I wanted to do X, I can't do X, and they wallow in despair. David HaMelech wants more than anything to go ahead and build the Beis HaMikdash. And when he's told that he can't, he doesn't wallow in despair. Instead, what does he do? He does everything else that is within his power. Because sometimes when life closes a door to you, 
the thing you have to do is you have to just look for another one to open. Sometimes people spend the whole life trying to just open the door that's locked. No matter how hard they push, it's not going to open as opposed to utilizing their energies in more productive ways to open up other doors. So David HaMelech wants to open the door of building the Reis HaMikdash. He's told that he cannot. So again, I'll purchase the real estate. I'll go ahead and write the music. So that's why Rashi says, Mizmor Shir is the Shir Halavim. Look what Rashi says, Liyom HaShabbos, this is incredible. So this was the Shira that the Levim used to sing in the Beis HaMikdash on Shabbos. Oh, so now the capital makes a little bit more sense. It's true. This is the capital sung by the Levium in the base Hamikdash on Shabbos. But at the end of the day, does it speak about Shabbos? Not really. What does it actually speak about? The Yom Shekulo Shabbos a reference to the world to come, to Olam Haba. Now, by the way, what does Olam Haba refer to? So remember, I just want to point out that that, Olam, that term Olam Haba is often used a bit interchangeably. Sometimes it refers to where you go after 120, right? As the Rambam says, Sometimes that's what it can mean. But Olam Haba can also be a reference to Messianic era, Yemosa Mashiach. So I'm just pointing out that whenever you see that term, it's used different, right? So sometimes we use Yemosa Mashiach, sometimes we make Olam Haba. The Gemara, for example, uses the term Olam Haba to refer to both Olam Haba, where you go after you die, as well as the Messianic era. So in any event, whichever one Rashi is referring to, I don't know that it, that it matters for our purposes, but ultimately, again, the Mizmor Shir Yoma Shabbos the Shabbos that David HaMelech is referring to in this capital is not the seventh day of the week. I mean, it is a reference to the seventh day of the week, but it's really a reference ultimately again to the Om Shekulo Shabbos, Inyon Olam Habo. Olam Habo. Okay. So now, now we have a context. So now I know it's not so strange that the capital doesn't make reference to the seventh day of the week because it's not talking about the seventh day of the week. It's talking about the Yom Shekulo Shabbos, Olam Habo. So take a look now at number four. So what's the meaning of La Hagid Baboker Chazdecha? What does that refer to? So Rashi says in number four, Be'is Hagu'ula. So this is incredible. According to Rashi, and again, the Mepharshim are going to be a little bit split on this, as we'll see in just a moment. But Rashi says, Lahagid baboker chazdecha is be'is ha'gulah. So first of all, you begin to see, how is Rashi using olam haba? Mashiach. This is incredibly important. So according to Rashi, mizmor shir liyom shabos is a reference to messianic redemption. And what does it mean? Lahagid baboker chasdecha. The boker being referred to over here says Rashi. First line number four. Beis hagula. Ribono shel olam. When will I lahagid? When will I speak about your chasad? When I am zochet to see the geula. When I am zochet to see Mashiach come. And there is that dawn, right? There is that 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 that, that rising that boker of geula. Vemunas chabalelos. This is incredible. Second line number four. Ubaod Saras Hagalus Lahamin Bakha Shatishmar Haftichasekha Kol Zenavitov. So so listen to this. So look how Rashi understands. Lahagi Baboke Khasdecha is reference to messianic arrival. When Mashiach comes, Ribono Shal Olam, I will not be able to stop singing about your Gu'ula. 
What is amunoscha balelos? My belief in you at night. Night says Rashi baod tsaras hagalos. If day, if morning, refers to the arrival of Mashiach, then night refers to the trials and tribulations of Galus, of diaspora. Lahamin b'cha. And at night, I'm going to believe, Shetishmar secha, that you will keep your promise. Which promise are we referring to? I'm sorry? Gula. So at night, so lahagrid baboker chasdecha, in the morning, when Mashiach comes, I will sing of, or I'll speak of your chesed, but I will keep my amuna with you, that you will keep your promise of gu'ula, even at night, even in the midst of difficulties. Now, what's intriguing about this passage according to this explanation? Excellent. Excellent. Shouldn't it be just the opposite? Because remember again, lahagid baboker chastechaz Mashiach, Emunoscha Balelos is Galos. So shouldn't it really be Lahagid or Lahagid Emunoscha Balelos, or however you would phrase it, but we'll call it Emunoscha Balelos, and then Baboke Chastecha. What's the answer? I'm sorry? It wouldn't fit in the song. Yes, good, beautiful. Good. Any other, any other thoughts? Good. Why, 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 is it, why is it in this order? Remember, I want to point something out. Tillin, Tillin, is David HaMelech also teaching us how to deal with life? Tillim, Tillim is the playbook for life. So what is David HaMelech teaching us? Okay, good, good. This is the ideal, good. But, but what, yeah? Start, I missed the first part. Start again. Oh, so, beautiful. So you're saying David Amalek is kind of working from, from least to greatest. Meaning, Lahagid Baboker Chazdecha is easy. It's easy, right? Who's not going to see the Chasid of HaKadosh Baruch Mashiach comes? But the real Gadlos Adam is Emunos Chabalelos. Right? Beautiful. Beautiful. An incredible idea, right? It's always easy. Remember, th- this goes back, I think we mentioned this in a different class, right? This goes back to the idea that the Gemara says, Though when Mashiach comes, we're not going to accept Gerim. We don't accept converts. Right? Why don't we accept converts in the Mosa Mashiach? Why? Because again, when Mashiach comes, we're going to be the winning team. So there's, there's no great kunst in joining the winning team. You know, the whole you sort of, of, of accepting a ger is that a person is willing to undertake the trials and tribulations of Kval Yisrael as well. So beautiful. That's easy. But the pinnacle of accomplishment is Amunas Chavalelos. Beautiful. Good. Any other thoughts? Yes. Oh, beautiful. So you want to say, meaning, Lahagid Baboker Chastecha could even refer to the Binyan Beis Hamikdash, a Geula, beautiful, right? Maybe there's just a chronological explanation. This is the next stage. And then afterwards, ultimately, again, beautiful, beautiful, good. Any other thoughts? Let me ask you this question. Anyone here ever encounter, encounter a difficult or trying time in life? No, Baruch Hashem, good, incredible, right? For those of you who may have encountered a difficult or trying time, how do you get through it? How, how, do, you, how do you get through difficult times in life? You know that it's going to end. And you know that ultimately, again, some way, somehow, you're going to make it through. 
That's the only way to get through difficult times is to say to myself, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know that I am going to get through this. So perhaps what David HaMelech is saying over here as well, how do you get through the Lelos? How do you get through the Lelos? The way you get through the Lelos is that I believe the sun's going to come up. Right? I believe that life is going to be good. I believe that things are going to be okay. I believe that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm going to get through this challenging tukufa and somehow, some way, I am going to remain standing. The way to get through difficulty in life is to reinforce in yourself the belief that some way, somehow, you are going to be okay. What David HaMalach says over here, is how, is how you get through, or is the emunas chabalelos. Right? What, 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 think about this just a moment. What's emunas chabalelos? Emuna, emuna in what? Emuna in what? Emuna in what? Hashem, true. What else? The simple title of the Pazak, I think, is the Emuna of night is Lahagid Baboker Chazdecha. I have Emuna that there's going to be a Lahagid Baboker Chazdecha. That's what I have Emuna in. I have Emuna that this period, that this time of challenge, is not going to mark the rest of my life. That somehow, some way, I am going to find a way to navigate out of this. It may take a long time. It may take years. It may take who knows how long. But I believe at the end of the day, I will get out of this. Lahagid baboker chazdecha. You know, again, you're, you're young, so one day, halavai, you shouldn't have any trials and tribulations in life. But it, we all do. And you will see that the only way to get through difficult challenges in life is to reinforce within yourself, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. How, when, what, where, right? You know, in in general, in general, the best way to go ahead and... I'll tell you something fascinating. I'm sure you learned this in driver's ed, right? If if you go ahead... Maybe you learned this in driver's ed, right? But... When you get into, if a person gets into a car accident, when do they go ahead and sustain the greatest amount of injuries? I don't know if anyone here is, is studying PT or anything like that. When do you sustain the greatest amount of, in, of injuries? When your body tenses up. You sustain usually greater injuries when you know that you're going to get into a car accident, because a person's body tenses up. As opposed to if something happens without a person's foreknowledge, generally the body is relaxed. It's such an incredible metaphor for life. When, a, when, when you're tensed up, when you're tensed up, that's generally when things feel that much worse. But when a person says, okay, it's difficult times, but I know somehow, some way that I am going to be okay, a person is able to go ahead and weather the storm better. That's why Kaddish Baruch Hu compares, the Navi compares, Kaddisho, where is it? Pasik in Yeshaya. I can't remember the Pasik, but Navi Yeshaya compares Kaddisho to a kana, to a reed, to a reed. Why to a reed? What does a reed do when the wind blows? Right? It's flexible. It's flexible. So it bends. 
It bends. It bends. So what that means is when I encounter difficulty in life, I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be overwhelming. But I know that when the wind dies down, I'll get back up. When the wind dies down, I'll be all right. The emuna that I need in order to properly guide my life is If I believe that I'm going to see the morning, if I believe that I'm going to be all right, if I believe that somehow I'm going to remain standing, that's the emuna that keeps you alive. That's the emuna that keeps you rooted by Lelos. By the way, where's the first time we see this metaphor? First time we see this metaphor? It's a Ramban. I'm sorry. So Vayer Vayvoker, good, right? That's very true. The, the idea being that sun always comes up, right? It's a, but where else do we see more in a more dramatic fashion? Yaakov Avinu. Remember the Ramban by Yaakov Avinu? Somebody must remember this Ramban by Yaakov Avinu. This is like, this is like Ramban 101, right? The, the Ramban says, the Ramban says, well, remember again, Yaakov Avinu spends the entire night fighting with the mysterious Ish. And what does the Pasuk say? The sun comes up, he's limping. And what does the Ramban say? That it's a metaphor for Klal Yisrael. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And what's the metaphor? That many times Klal Yisrael will encounter adversity and we will be wounded and we will be hurt and we will be limping. But you know what the amazing part is? When the sun comes up the next morning, will still be standing. And it's not just a metaphor for the klal, it's a metaphor for the yachid as well. There are times in life where I spend the entire night struggling. There are times in life where I find myself in a perpet- what feels like a perpetual, unending night. Adversity, difficulty, challenge. But Yaakov Avinu says, you may be limping. When the sun comes up, you may be limping, but you'll still be standing. That belief that I will sing, I will see the Rebosh Shalom's Chesed in the morning, that's the, that's, the, that's the emuna that keeps me alive throughout the night. All right, we'll stop over here for today. We're going to pick up with the rest of this capital on Wednesday, and then we'll begin to plug it back into Parak Shira.